welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore, Jocelyn Gotto, and James Kazina. This podcast is an all-in-one devotional, essential for anyone trying to figure out how to follow Jesus in today's world. Each month, we'll release four different episodes, including stories from the field, preaching, and conversations with special guests. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Here's today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another year, 2021. It is Mike Gore here in the studio with my co-host, as always, Josh Scotto. It is good to be back for another year, Mike, 2021, ready to go for another year ahead of us. And I come with exciting news. For a while now, we've been preparing for the launch of the World Watch List for 2021, which is our list of ranking the top 50 most dangerous places to be a Christian. And I'm excited that that is now released. It's all over our social media accounts and on our website if you want to go check that out. The World Watch List, it is the thing that actually separates Open Doors from so many of the other charities around the world. For several decades now, we've been releasing this indexed ranking Mm. of what we would say where where faith comes at its most um, incredible cost. But one of the ways I kind of like to, to flip the lens on it is it's also where faith is working exceptionally well. Yeah. Because persecution, it is a consequence of successful Christianity. It's wherever the gospel is being shared, we know persecution will exist. And so as we see this map and we see the costs of faith intensify, there's part of me that also goes, hey, it's also a great encouragement mm. because it's where people are willing to share Jesus no matter the cost. And in some ways, Joss, one of the better questions is why haven't we got a colour on the map? Yeah. You know, why isn't yeah. Australia a place where faith comes at a cost? One of the things I've learned over the years of being with Open Doors is that when faith becomes free, the value of Jesus drops. And sometimes we can take faith from being something that's about the world around us to being something that's about only um, serving us equally. And a a powerful question you asked me back in the day was, do I serve Jesus with the same passion that I serve myself? And so before we get into today's podcast and episode, I think that's one of the beautiful things about the World Watch List. Mm. Not only is it an academic kind of head knowledge list of these are the nations that need our help, it should also serve as an inspiration for us to say, hey, how can I better follow Jesus no matter the cost? What maybe surprised you from that list this year? So some of the things I guess that surprised me this year is that COVID-19 has been has seen an increase in persecution uh, with Christians denied access to aid. Yeah. I never thought that a global pandemic would be used as a leveraging tool when it comes to persecution. There's been a huge rise in human trafficking during lockdown, mm. especially Christians who are being converted and are now locked down with their persecutors, their family. I mean, for our listeners, across the Middle East, where people have come to faith in Jesus from a different religious background, one of the key drivers of persecution is often their own family. And now over the last year, as we have wrestled with COVID-19 and its impact across the world, under isolation, people who have chosen to become Christian from a varying faith backgrounds have actually been forced back into the homes of their key persecutors. It's crazy, isn't it? That's right. And one of the really horrific outcomes of that is an increase in human trafficking. But I think one of the key sort of headline stories is that once again, and for the 20th year in a row, North Korea comes in as the most difficult country on the planet to follow Jesus. I mean, 20 years, Joss. 
North Korea seems like such an interesting place. Whether you're a Christian or not, I think there's a level of intrigue that comes with North Korea. It's such a haunting and mysterious kind of place that none of us really know just like that much about. None of us really truly have an understanding of what it is like to live each day as a North Korean. Uh, And for Christians there, you know, especially with this list and, and with the research that Open Doors does internationally... We see how difficult life is for Christians in that part of the world. And in North Korea, um, just to give you a little bit of context of, you know, kind of the restrictions and the persecution and oppression that Christians live under there, any Bibles, any Christian material, any Christian literature, worship songs, all of that, it's all illegal. Gathering together is nearly impossible. And we know that when Christians are discovered, they can be thrown into a labor camp or even killed on the spot for their faith in Jesus. But I actually want for you to hear a story firsthand from a Christian who escaped from North Korea. His name is Timothy Cho, and this is his story. I escaped from North Korea 16 years ago. It's been approximately 5,840 days since then. I have become a free man today, freely worshiping God, listening to hymns, and praying each day. That's all free. My fellow brothers and sisters are still escaping from North Korea for survival. It is even harder to escape nowadays as the coronavirus border restrictions have prevented people from escaping. And yes, the people try and some succeed and some are killed. Why is it so dangerous to be a faithful Christian in North Korea? North Korean people must show complete loyalty to the ruling Kim family. Christians are considered a national security risk to North Korea's leaders. Christians who are discovered, they face imprisonment, torture, and even death. Millions of North Korean people face a shortage of food. 10.1 million people, or 40% of the total population, are in urgent need of food. The border closures have significantly decreased the amount of food coming in from outside. The North Korean government asks for the citizens to conserve food for the prevention and urges people to eat less, even less, so that they can survive and protect the socialist system. But people have tightened their belts already. Entire families are starving to death on the street. It's very sad. The scale of persecution in North Korea seems unstoppable. In December 2020, North Korea adopted a new law that controls access to information from outside the country. The law says the people of the country must firmly maintain our ideas, spirit and culture. And it will define a wide range of acts as treason if anyone listens to, records, or disputes foreign radio broadcasts or anyone smuggles in or disputes foreign records, videos, USBs, music, clothes, books, magazines, newspapers or any materials that are unproved by the state, they will be punished. People have asked me if North Korea could ever become a free nation and my answer is very simple. Yes, yes, because God makes impossible things become possible. When we have faith in God, because faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is my faith and I will continue to ask God to work in this nation, my home country, to be free. And if this hope is realized, we are going to see a new North Korea.
and then God will answer my prayer and the prayers of thousands. Believers will continue whispering hymns, praying in hidden places, and secretly reading the Bible if they can. The chains of starvation, imprisonment, torture, execution cannot stop their faith in God. And your prayers and support help to strengthen their faith. Open Doors broadcasts Christian radio programs into North Korea, and our networks in China provide food and medicines for North Korean brothers and sisters. They need this support as much as ever. Would you please pray for our persecuted church family? That was Timothy Cho, a Christian who escaped from North Korea. And Mike, that is such a powerful story. Yeah, Joss, I think, you know, we, we long since on the podcast and through Open Doors really try and teach people that we believe the persecuted church are some of the greatest spiritual mentors you could ever want. And I think Timothy Cho's story is a good example of that. I mean, how can you say things like the chains of starvation, imprisonment, torture, and execution can't stop their faith in God? Yeah. And I guess as a personal reflection question for our listeners today, what would stop your faith in God? Mm. How often, and I think this is a powerful thought, how often do we sell Jesus out for the sake of a yes or to protect against the fear of a no? Mm. I'm going to say that again. How often in life, Joss, do you, I, even some of our listeners, how often would we sell Jesus out? In other words, would we maybe leave him out of a conversation, avoid him in a conversation? in pursuit of a yes, because we want to make sure whatever we're asking is received well, Mm. or to protect against the fear of a no. And I think when I think around Timothy's story, but I also marry it with, what are my learnings? How can I grow from hearing his witness and testimony? And how can I become better suited and better able to follow Jesus here in, in Australia or Western nations? And I think it leverages onto those two questions. What would you sell Jesus out for? Is it to, to hear a yes or to protect from receiving a no yeah. because I think culture is so driven by being loved yeah. or being liked that it can often give way to what I call an additive gospel, like a Jesus plus gospel. It's where you highlight all of the palatable, all of the beautiful parts of following Jesus in the gospel story, yeah. all the while avoiding the abrasive parts. Mm. Right, And we do that in pursuit of being liked and being loved over being authentic. And I think Timothy's story gives us a great insight that following Jesus will inevitably come with a great cost. The cost is worth it. And as Westerners, we need to protect ourselves from selling Jesus out for the sake of a yes or to protect against the fear of a no. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it makes heaps of sense and it's it's confronting and it's challenging because I think that a lot of our faith is based on our comfort and a lot of not even just our faith but our identity um, and who we kind of want to project ourselves as in the world is based around those kind of things you talked about the approval of others, having people love us, having people like us, having people follow us, all of those things. But it all actually comes down to comfort and building ourselves this little kingdom of comfort, which if I'm honest, I'm like, well, where is God in the middle of my mm. kingdom of comfort? I'm not, I'm not sure that I would, even I can easily spot him. And this is my life. It's my heart. Um, and you know, it is, it is incredibly challenging with, um, stories from places like North Korea, but also in the other top 50 countries mm. uh, that we talk about in the World Watch List of people never selling Jesus out. They know that when they become a Christian, it will come at a great cost. And that cost usually happens 
right away, whether it's from family pressure, from, um, you know, losing your job, any kinds of sorts of the pressure or the violence that comes with following Jesus or from making the decision of following Jesus, um, you know, at, at what point would I have not made that decision? Mm. Would I realize actually it's too great a cost? Actually, it's too great of, I don't want to give up my comfort to that level and so it's not worth it for me. Um, and I think that's the wrestle I have now is, you, you know, if I was one of the Christians in these countries, in a place like North Korea, how long would I hold on to Jesus for when there is absolutely no safety, absolutely no comfort that comes with uh, following Jesus and making that decision. Yeah, look, and I think, I mean, I've never tried this before. It may or may not work. But for our listeners, if, if you want to, like, respond on that or maybe even give some thoughts or feedback on that question, would you sell Jesus out for the sake of a yes or to protect against the fear of a no? Well, jump on socials and Instagram. We're going to put up a tile maybe asking the same question or encouraging our listeners to comment. And because podcasts are so inevitably just one way, mm-hmm. I would love to create community because I think, Joss, for me, the, the best moments of learning are when you do it together with others. Yeah. And I would love people's thoughts on any of those kind of almost contentious issues yeah. because we're not trying to be stabby or trying <laughs> to say, hey, look, you know, we've got it better than you. But I really do believe that's one of the things that we can learn from Timothy and other stories through Open Doors yeah. is how together we can best follow Jesus. Yeah. And Mike, I remember you've met um, a North Korean believer before who changed your life. You met her in person. I'm wondering if maybe you could give us a glimpse into her life and a glimpse into her story of what it was like to be a Christian there. Right, Josh. Back before all the lockdowns and border closures, I spent time with a remarkable woman called Hei Wu. She's North Korean. She's about five feet tall and in the 70s. Hands down, one of the most energetic people I've ever known and had the privilege to meet. I remember when she was here in Sydney doing a speaking tour, we sort of went to a church and we were speaking and next thing you know, I look around and I've lost her. I'm thinking, man, where has she gone? <laughs> and um, and so I start looking around the church. It's when I was very new with Open Doors, and and I thought I had one job: I was to look <laughs> after a seventy-year-old, five-foot-tall North Korean woman, <laughs> and not to lose her. And so I'm walking around inside the church, can't find her anywhere. I go out the back, and then these there's these kids playing handball, and here's Hey Woo standing in like either the King or the Dunce Square, <laughs> playing handball with these kids. And I thought to myself. Man, that. this lady is incredible. Yeah, She's just awesome. preached up a storm about life in North Korea and her, her life story, but now she takes time to play with the kids. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was a really beautiful picture yeah, of who she was as a woman. But when I met her, well, she shared her story with me. And starting in 1997, in the midst of a great famine in North Korea, her daughter, who was only in her 20s, starved to death in her own home. What a tragic thing to witness your own child because of your inability to feed them starving to death in your own home then Heiwu's husband well he escaped to China where he heard the gospel and gave his life to Jesus but unfortunately he was caught by the secret police and repatriated or sent back to North Korea he was placed into a prison camp and only six months later he died I remember Heiwu saying that she went to visit her husband when he was in prison and he had this kind of scrunched up piece of paper in his hands and and under the table as I was sitting opposite each other and and sort of out of sight from the guards, he he motioned to Hei Wu to put her hands under the table and and they held hands and he he kind of forced this scrunched up piece of paper into her hands. At this point in time, Hei Wu was not a believer and she got home and she unwrapped this piece of paper and it simply said, follow Jesus, he's worth everything. Wow. You know, and that was the last sort of interaction and encounter that she had with her husband. 
Haywu said to me that she was shocked to hear that her husband had become a Christian. But instinctively, she also knew that he had found the truth. And that's what I love even about that story of passing the note. Mm. You know, it had this profound impact on her. She said, look, I was shocked, but also I instinctively knew. I mean, it's that heart knowledge of going, no, I know this is right. And it wasn't long until Hei Wu escaped to China herself. And like her husband, she became a Christian. But sadly, she was discovered by the secret police and repatriated and forced back to North Korea and placed into a prison camp. The story there, Joss, as well, that most people don't know is one night she went out to like a bar or a cafe and she was talking to a person next to her about her life who was actually a secret police officer. Oh, wow. And so under this kind of, this veil of safety or comfort and thinking she was just talking to a fellow person, it was actually people who had been planted in these kind of bars and cafes to find North Koreans and that was how she was undone and found. Wow. Haywoo described the prison camp in North Korea to me. She said... Death was rampant. She told me how bodies would lay on the ground for days without being cleaned up. I mean, people would die all the time. And she said that every day as they were being forced to walk to hard labour, she would walk past these dead bodies. And then every now and then, every few weeks, a tractor would come along and, and people would go to put these bodies in the back of the tractor. But, and this is quite graphic, she would say to me, as they would reach down to pull the body, she said arms would fall off, legs would fall off, and I'd just throw these bodies into the back of a trailer would be forced to walk past them as I was doing this. She said the bodies would be burnt and then their ashes would be scattered on the path we walked. And she said her greatest fear was knowing that one day people would simply be walking over her too. The mental and physical abuse that Haywu endured would make you sick to the pit of your stomach. But in the middle of one of the darkest corners of the most dangerous country to be a Christian, Haywu chose to do something so radical, so dangerous... And in so many ways, so Christ-like. That in the middle of the prison, in the heart of a North Korean labor camp, God gave her a heart to evangelize. And so she did. And a secret church began. She shared the gospel in a place where if caught, you'd be tortured and killed without exception. What most people don't realize is that Hei Wu chose to start her secret church in the pit toilets or where the pit toilets were because she said the stench was so foul, was so acrid, was so horrible, the guards wouldn't go there. And so with two or three other Christians they would meet, they would sing. But she also knew that as one of the torture tactics, if they were caught, like other prisoners, they would be thrown into the pit and watched drown in the feces. And she said she had seen and witnessed people whose that was their fate. A heartbreaking reality. People might ask, well, how did she know who to start the church with? And again, that's an incredible story because Haywoo once was sitting in a cell with, I think it was 33 people. As would happen, guards would come, they'd read a list of names every day, and of those names, you would never see those people again. Wow. Haywoo said, as she sat in the cell and the guards came to read from the list of names, she was praying for people that she would be able to share the gospel with. And there were three names that came to mind. And she closed her eyes, and as the names were read, the list finally got to the end. 29 names on the list were read. Wow. When she opened her eyes, the three people that were left in the cell were the three people God had placed on her heart. She approached them to share Jesus with them, and they were the group that started the secret church. Haywoo went through nine North Korean labor camps, and then one night under the cover of darkness, she escaped. She had to cross an icy stream. She told me how she lost every single toenail 
because she had no shoes, there was rocks, and on one occasion when she tried to cross the stream and she couldn't swim, the current sort of swept her up, and she said she thought to herself, I can't believe I've come this far, and now I'm going to drown. Miraculously, she woke, and she was on the other side of the bank. She sort of clambered up the snowy mountainside, and she got to this huge fence that borders North Korea, and she walked along the fence for a while, and eventually she found this tree that had fallen, and it had fallen onto the fence and sort of made a, made a gap in it. And so she said with all of her might, she sort of pushed on one end to kind of pry or leverage a gap big enough in the fence. She squeezed through it, she found herself in a field on the other side of it, collapsed, and then she awoke to people trying to help her, put her in the back of a car, and that was how she escaped. I mean, a really horrific story of life on the cost of faith, but now turned into a powerful testimony from a woman who's energetic, She's passionate. She's bold. And um, and I do remember, as a funny side, she was here talking in Sydney. And um, as is always the case, one of our, our Westerners, our phone rang, and she paused halfway through a talk and she said, who is it, the president? <laughs> and, and this is like at an open doors public event. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness. <laughs> sassy. That's right. But um, an amazing testimony, Joss. That is a really powerful story, Mike. And, you know, I haven't heard most of those different stories from your time with her. And if you're anything like me now um, – those stories are really heavy. It's really hard to take in um, the realities of those stories, of what it would have been like to kind of be in the presence of death and grief and um, and torture for years and years on end. And so I encourage you to to dwell on it and to um, and and to allow yourself to be challenged by it because it's not what we hear every day, but it is happening in our world today at the same time as you and I go about our days, whatever we are doing. Um, this kind of thing is happening in North Korea and it is, um, you know, it's, it's devastating and we need to look at it, but we also need to remember that God is still at work in that nation and there are still a few hundred thousand Christians who are uh, there every day getting up, serving God the best they can, worshipping him the best that they can, whether it's in the prison, whether it's in, um, you know, the pit toilets with their little house church, secret church. Um, there is a lot of good things that are happening in North Korea that God is doing and he is still at work in that nation. But one of the things that I love the most uh, from your stories just then, Mike, was that you said that God gave Heiwu a heart to evangelize. And, you know, I wonder as we move into 2021 and to be honest, there's a lot of things that still look the same for us this year. You know, just because we've clocked over to a new year doesn't mean that COVID has necessarily changed. Uh, wherever you are in the world, there are still many different struggles there and many personal struggles that have come along with that, um, that we are still dealing with in the new year. But what does it look like um, in the middle of your situation now to have a heart for evangelism, to have God's heart for sharing Jesus with the people around you. Um, I think one of the things that I've been wrestling with over the last couple of months is how much I've made Christianity about myself and how much I've made uh, my time about myself when really I need to be lifting my eyes and serving the people around me. Just one of the one of the other quotes, and I know we've been focusing a lot on North Korea, but the Eritrean believer, Helen yeah. Bahano, you know, in a world that at the moment is gripped with debates around vaccines, mm. right, which is the right one, which is the wrong one. I remember Helen Bahani described Jesus to me as Jesus Christ is the medicine of the world and he must be shared. Mm. Essentially the eternal inoculation from sin and death. Mm. And I think if we, we look at it naively, that can become a pretty kitschy kind of way to describe Jesus. Yeah. But when you talk about evangelism, that's the beauty of Jesus. Christians often ask these these beautifully poetic questions that, to be honest, can often mean very little, mm-hmm. uh, but 
you know, they're aimed at being thought-provoking. And yeah. one of those questions is, if you took Jesus out of your life, what would change? Mm. They often follow it up with saying, because if nothing will change, then you know what, there's a big a problem. problem. Yeah. But, but the, the fundamental flaw with that question, and I want to be clear, I think it's a good question. The fundamental flaw is that it leaves people answering only ever with behavioural, moralistic or ethical answers. Yeah, I would agree. You wrote answers like, you Absolutely. know, no, no quiet times or reading your Bible, praying, the exactly activity-based right. things. Exactly right. But I think, if, if I think of it more closely, what would change if you took Jesus out of my life tomorrow? Well, the answer to that is hope, yeah. right? That's the answer. And, and out of hope or hope manifest is all of those other things. It's empathetic. It is, it's a listening ear. Mm-hmm. It's a servant heart. But that's the thing that changes. And I think when it comes to evangelism or when we're talking about Jesus Christ as a medicine of the world, I want us to not lose sight of the fact that it is hope that is the eternal difference for Christians, a hope in heaven, a hope in the the true um, authority and salvation found in Jesus. And as you hear us speak today about evangelism, we're not asking you to go out there and sort of preach to the world. Mm. What I am saying is to realise the inherent hope we have in Jesus because it's the overflow of that hope and hope manifest which will change the world around us. And when we do take that hope to the world around us, it's not so much evangelism, it's serving others and it's giving Mm. them a piece of what we know, that peace that we know that only comes through hope and that peace we know that only comes through Jesus. So I love that. I would challenge you all to ponder on that question as well. Yeah, well, that's, look, look, that's all we have time for. I feel like it's been a very preachy kind of episode today. I hope that's, hope that's not how you're feeling as listeners, but I hope that Heywoo's story has been an encouragement and more than that, a challenge to you in the new year. Uh, we want to say a huge thank you, as always, for listening to yet another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. Before we go, I want to pray for you because I think, Joss, as you said, we've covered off on a few things today. Mm. We've covered off on the idea of selling Jesus out mm. um, to protect, I guess, against our own um, value or identity, all the fear that comes with that. We've discussed what it means to follow him courageously in the most difficult country on the planet. We've looked at what evangelism looks like and the fact that he is the medicine of the world, but it's hope manifest Mm. that actually changes the world around us. And so I hope they're the key level or high level takeaways for you guys today. We would love, as I said, to create that community and discussion. Jump on our socials, Instagram, Facebook, wherever it might be, and and let's have that conversation. I'll there happily answer your questions personally. (laughs) Before we go... Let me just pray for us. Father, we come before you today and we thank you for the great privilege it is to be in relationship with you. We thank you that all over the world, there are people who will follow you no matter the cost. And we think of them today in this moment, people in countries like North Korea, Afghanistan, right across the Middle East and South Asia, people who pay a huge price for their faith in you. Give them that hope today, God. Help them to realize that hope is the game changer for us as believers. Give them strength and courage. Give them peace and optimism. And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege it is to serve them through open doors. Pray also over all of our listeners today. Thank you that the people who are actively wanting to grow their faith in you. May together we become more courageous, more bold, more unified in our faith. I pray that we would never sell you out for the hope of a yes or protect against a fear of a no, because Jesus, you're ultimately worth it all. And so again, we thank you, Lord. We pray over 2021. We give it to you. We know it's a year that's still got so much uncertainty and turmoil, but above all of it, we have a hope in you. And so thank you for that, Lord. We pray this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this month's episode. Before you go, here's a short message from our producer, Beth. 
Hi, it's Beth here, the producer of the Open Doors Live podcast. Thank you once again for listening to this episode. And you know what? If those stories from North Korea have encouraged you, have inspired you, I want to let you know that you can partner with a believer like Heiwoo today to help strengthen the church in North Korea. You could deliver life-saving supplies to a persecuted family for $60 that would last them up to six months. Or for $100, you could send Bibles to an entire community of secret believers worshipping under underground churches and places where it's illegal for them to gather freely. Or for $200, you could provide a North Korean Christian with access to a safe house. Together, we can help the church thrive even in the most dangerous places around the world. And we need you to be a part of it. So you can give today and go to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Thank you for helping people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. We'll catch you next month.